everyone, welcome back to the Excellence Cartel. This one is episode six with John Meadows, aka Mountain Dog, the owner of Granite Supplements, Mountain Dog Diet, Mountain Diet, MountainDogDiet.com, um, and an entrepreneur in all aspects of uh, fitness and health related. And as we might learn today, other venues. Um, so with that being said, we're going to start with our usual roundtable that we do. I'm going to throw this one to Jeff to kind of go see how your week's going. I'm, I'm sure it's great and exciting. Man, my week has been actually really, really good. Uh, training has been great. I actually had such an awesome back workout today that my back was cramping when I was taking a shower. So that you know that you worked hard. And uh, I had a couple of um, new clients in the pipeline. Actually, um, one of my apprentice coaches – uh, Nick Pinheiro, he actually got his third client now, which is awesome because when I first start, when I first launched my apprentice coaching program, I got a whole bunch of shit talkers about it. People like making fun of me for, for doing that. And now Nick's on his third client. So I guess it's working, you know? Good yeah. Deal. I had a lot of people judge me when I did that with my, yeah. do that apprentice program and it's cranked right. out. Like I'm over 10 trainers now. So yeah. You, you know, want to scale up and, and show other people how to coach and, you know, you know, pass on the knowledge. So that's why I wanted to do it. It's going yeah, well. But, you know, in the, like we, we see more bodybuilders who talk bad upon that kind of thought process. You know I mean? There's bodybuilders yeah. out there who've talked so bad about the industry and then yet they're complaining they're poor. And I'm like, why don't you just <laughs> use the knowledge you have and go right. get some money, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so, exactly. Yeah, no, man. You got to think outside the box. The way I look at it was that's more people's lives impacted, whether it be financially for coaches through another income stream created or lives changed by, you know, results given. So you're right. well, I know with like my mentor programming, mean, I got seven now and I'm watching people just like a teacher would watch students. And I mean, I'm looking for the next person that'll help me, you know, come on board, you know? So I'd run my different, obviously than Jeff, he just brings them on under the brand, but I'm kind of keep them out of the brand and then watch them work and prove themselves so yeah yeah way, you're helping yourself yeah yep. yeah so jason without said since you uh talk, piped up on that one gave some good advice on your different perspective to it how's your week been uh you know uh busy this one's been busy i, I think it's because we're getting ready to get out of town for the physique education collective and um we got a lot of moving pieces with new ethics right now we got our trademark well i got my tr our trademark through so now We've got all the storyboards being created uh, by our uh, Amazon partner that we brought on. So we're going to go and check all that out. And, but it's been, a, you know, just different moving pieces back and forth. Um, things with uh, contractors and different things like that, you know, that we have working for us, uh, doing social media and different things like that. There's a lot of business moving pieces, plus still keeping up with my clients. Um, but all in all, it's been a good week. Um, I do, uh, Jeff have the car in the shop it's getting wrapped uh satin matte pearl no way yeah it's gonna look it's gonna look sharp so that's awesome that unfortunately i'm gonna be in tennessee when it's done so i won't be able to see it till sunday but uh that's probably like my most exciting thing going on oh, right yeah. now, honestly so <laughs> the most exciting thing going on is gonna be when you're in an uber with me going downtown oh uh, that is true that's honest saturday night yeah nah so I, I, i've had a great week it's just been a little hectic getting everything going for um the physique education collective um you know making sure we get the videography equipment i had a last minute issue with the guy who was going to do it and luckily i found someone who came in clutch to give us all his audio and recording equipment so we can actually be able to film this and kind of decipher what we want to do with it later um i know we've talked about potentially doing another physique education collective in another city 
um, you know, the next couple months and changing out speakers or adding speakers and things like that, which would be we'll pretty get a cool. female's touch in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought I was pretty feminine, but, um, we're going to Boston, yeah. Boston in March. Yeah. Boston and marks. Is that what you're going to call? Cause you have to, you, this time you get to plan it all. I'll tell you what, I don't really like cold weather. How about Boston in like May? <laughs> it's not that bad guys. Come on. Not not, in March. Not, I don't know. So I'm looking forward to doing the physique exchange. I'm looking forward to having all the coaches here. I think we've, you know, we've got, I think almost 25, 30 in there now. Um, it's grown quite a bit in the last few days. Like we thought it would Good deal. be more intimate. And a few of them are actually coaches that I know of. And they're actually quite a few average Joe's and average Jans. So we kind of hit that little niche. We were one, two there towards the end. Um, now, real quick, John, how's your last seven days been or namely your last 24 hours, man? Well, I, I went out to the Olympia on Tuesday and I got off the plane and I went to the lift factory and trained and then I went out to the car and I drove to an LVAC and I trained then I got up the next morning. I went to that Dragon Gym and I trained. I had a protein shake. Then I drove to another LVAC and trained from there. Basically, I did 10 workouts in six days, which I love to do when I travel. I like to just train a ton. So um, then on the way back, I had some flight delays that caused me to miss some flights. So last night, I, I, uh, I was stuck in uh, Newark Airport. <clears throat> and I got on a – they finally got me on a red, hot, red eye, and I got home um, – about eight o'clock this morning and uh oh, damn damn uh, i saw that united right <laughs> well kudos to you for not canceling yeah yeah thank you for that man oh no man hey listen i'm uh so i may not sound i may i may be a little off but i'm doing my best yeah that's all we can ever do any day anyway so i'm gonna fire this off john um i know you're you know obviously for those who don't know john's competitive bodybuilder ifbb pro um, he's been competing since what, 13 years old? Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. 1985 was my first show. Okay. And so along the way of you competing, when did you start training clients? Like when did you kind of feel that point that you, that you maybe had that confidence that you were wanting to help other people? Like how were you approached? Do you like, can you tell us like what your first client was like and how that kind of spiraled out from there? Dude, that is a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. Um, so when I was in high school, when I was a senior, I could squat about 500 pounds. Um, I was training really, really hard by that point. And there were some guys in the little town I grew up in that were working hard. And I started training with them. And I think at some point I started training one of our assistant football coaches, just telling them what to do and, you know, not charging them money, but telling them what to do. And I really enjoyed it. And then I remember my freshman year of college, I remember I had a couple people ask me, hey, can you help me out? And a couple pretty girls, which, of course, I had to oblige and help. <laughs> but uh, and then at some point in college, I, you know, again, I was already competing. I was winning shows. I went to work at a, at a world gym, actually, on East Livingston Avenue. It's kind of legendary around here. It's where uh, all the big, the big dudes trained. And um I started um, training people there and um, I was kind of doing it on my own though. I wasn't actually working for the gym and my clientele just started blowing up. And so they got a little upset with me and said, you got to work for us. <laughs> so, <you've> been there. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty much uh, a sayonara. Um, 
But I, um, so I did a lot of in back then, you know, it was in person training, obviously. And, you know, the only thing, Jeff, you know, is, is people ask me why, you know, kind of why I stopped doing that. And honestly, man, I, I wanted everybody to have the same passion I did. So when they came into the gym, I would expect, I would expect them to be fired up, ready to give it their all. But what I realized was a lot of those people just didn't have it. They just wanted to, and it's, it's not a bad thing. They, you know, I just assumed that I wanted to set the world on fire and I wanted them to want to want the same thing. And it was just a poor, poor uh, view of reality on my part. But anyway, so I had to continually dive into my emotional energy and try to get these people pumped up and give them to work hard. And when I found out it was when it came time for my workout, I was spent. I was just emotionally drained. and I didn't even want to train. So I never trained people in person really again after that. So if you notice in almost probably 99.9% of videos I do, I don't train people. I train with them. So that I love, but I can't just literally just stand there and tell people what to do. It just drives me nuts, man. And, and I've always believed in, you know, lead by example too, Jeff. So it's one thing to just tell people to do a bunch of stuff, but I like to show them like, this is what it's supposed to look like you know, and get in there. You know, that's one thing about me. Uh, when I have people do something, you may think it's crazy or nuts, but I guarantee you I did it before they did it. Right. It wasn't just me sitting there thinking, how can I kill them and putting together a bunch of dumb stuff? It's like, no, this works. I'm going to show you how hard you need to work and then just do what I do. So, um, anyways, there's your long winded answer to that. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, I just want to chime in real quick. I know they've got questions, but so you, you start exploding at this point. I'm a big Nick Saban fan because all he does is the process. He refines the process. During that point, you started exploding. What was your process and how have you refined it since then to where you are now? So we just heard, you know, you started cutting back to where you weren't doing anyone in person, but like, what was your systems that you were doing to keep up with the clients? Cause I assume as you were going less in person because I trained a lot of people in person and I'll be honest, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of go-getters, you know, I've got probably a 50, 50 mix, but I look at it like I'm helping them stay accountable and try to keep doing it. And I do know what you mean that some days it's very taxing. So what was that process that you went from going from being taxed, say emotionally to mentally being taxed as you built your online client base? Well, I had, um, <clears throat> I had a really big advantage which a lot of people would probably say it's not an advantage, but I, I, I would say it is an advantage. I became a uh, project manager in the corporate world. And hi, buddy. My kids just got home. Oh, hey, guys. Haven't seen me in a while. <laughs> um, so I became a project manager in the corporate world, and I was – I worked my way up – this is going somewhere, by the way. And <clears throat> I kind of worked my way up the ladder, and I um, – one of the, and I and I eventually started running bigger and bigger projects. And one of the things you do as a project manager is you have teams that work under you. You know, I had a technology team, I had a training team, you know, all this stuff. Multiple teams. You have to you have to work with a lot of people. You have to be able to communicate with different different styles and things like that. You have to sometimes crack the whip a little bit and be tough on people. You have to organize a lot of data. So if you're running a project, you're going to have a you know, a really long task list and you have to manage things. You, and you have issues, you have an issues list, you have to prioritize them. You have to figure out who the right people are to sign, uh, fix their issues anyways. 
So as you do all those things, um, that translates to what we do as a coach. Because as a coach, in our world, you have to manage large amounts of data. So, for example, Jason, you know, he may make a change one week and another week, uh, then another week, another change. And so he's got all these things happening. He's got all these this data coming in. He's going to have, you know, skin folds and body weight and all these different things. So you have all this data coming in. You have to be able to kind of manage it. You have to be able to understand. You got to see trends. You got to see what's happening. And then you got to make decisions. And you got to work with different kinds of people, obviously. There's some people I can be really hard on, but there's some people I can. I got to have a little different approach, a little more kinder, general, general approach. And I'm actually not one of those people that says, well, I, I'm, I treat everybody the same. I don't. I don't treat everybody the same because everybody's a little different. And um, so in the corporate world, it gave me the ability to do that. So, you know, I could take an Excel spreadsheet and I could – put a very detailed plan into it and create a, a date at the bottom. And then the next week, if I made a change, I create a new tab and highlight in red what the change is. So, the, oh, okay, here it is. He, he added this and he took this out. So it's very methodical what I do now, as opposed to, you know, when in my early twenties, it was a little a scratch pad, a little notebook and I would just write stuff down <laughs> and it would bring the notebook back the next week and I would look at it. That was pretty much it. You just scratching stuff on a piece of paper. I mean, that's pretty much how I did it. So it's a lot more methodical now. And um, again, I, I, I was blessed to be in the corporate world because it kind of forced me to be able to do all those things that I think really benefit uh, coaches. That's an awesome answer. Yeah. He's right though. I mean, I'm from the corporate world too and he's right. I mean, I've said that a million times, you know, you'll see people out here say, well, you can't be a good coach if you have over 50 clients. And I'm thinking, I mean, I have over 50. If you talk to my clients, they all think they're the only client. Like, but I worked in a corporate world, like John's saying, I, I could bring in data. I worked with a bunch of different people. Like it, it helps. And I always cite that too. I'm like, it taught me get up out of bed at 7am, be in front of my computer and work for eight hours. Like, I don't think all coaches have that background, but I think what John's saying is 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have to agree too, because I was in corporate finance for like about 10 years, you know, definitely agree with all of that. And I have a question though, John, for you. Jeff, if that, that's okay, if I, did you finish your train of thought? Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I okay, cool. So, so when did you exactly, like, like, like you were in corporate, like, like, so when did you exactly, like, leave? Were you doing the training, like, kind of concurrently or before that? Or, like, and like, or, like, what kind of advice would you give to people who are sort of, like, tied down to a job that they may not necessarily enjoy and they have a passion for something else? Like, what sort of things would you say to someone who's, like, starting out and looking to leap and do their own thing? Yeah, so let me give you let me give you a little background on how the whole process transpired with me. So in 1999, um, I kind of came out of nowhere, and I got fourth at the Mr. USA in Santa Monica, California. And I thought, this is it, man. The d people are going to be knocking on my door. I'm going to be driving a Ferrari like I'm the man. And you know what happened? Nothing happened. And <laughs> I, I didn't do anything. And, you know, I was, I was working in the corporate world. Um, I would work Monday through Friday. I would take Friday off at lunch. I'd get on a plane. I'd fly somewhere. I would compete and I'd fly back Sunday night. Monday I'd be back to work. Nothing happened. So there were some years that went by after that where I thought, man, I could have been the good, the name, like I beat Sean Roden. I beat a lot of these guys. And I thought, um, I, what I saw was a big opportunity for me to kind of insert myself into the industry. 
but I didn't do anything. I just said, you know what? And it makes sense if you know me. I'm a really conservative person. I didn't want to give up that corporate salary, so I didn't really apply myself, and I didn't really do anything. So I started, um, and I, I'm pretty sure Jason's on this board too. So I started uh, writing a little bit on the pro muscle form. Yep. Yeah, um, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I haven't been on there for for years, but I started just kind of just sharing my ideas on there, you know. And I had uh, my screen name was Mountain Dog because I love Bernese Mountain Dogs, and I would write an idea, hey, I like to do this, or I like to do that. And people would say, oh, yeah, that's Mountain Dog this or Mountain Dog that. And it just kind of just stuck. And so my ideas started to gain a little bit of traction. They started to gain a little bit of popularity. And people started wanting to do more and more training. And when that happened, um, you know, I was still in the corporate world, and I I eventually got up to the point where I had – somewhere around 40 or 50 clients. So I would work during the day at my job and then I had 40 or 50 clients. I had to take care of me. Evening. And this just it kept happening and kept happening. And I said to myself, I got to make a decision because I was actually doing probably not so good a job at work. Although they liked <laughs> what I was doing. I knew I could be doing better. And yeah. as a coach, I don't really think I was doing as I, I know I wasn't doing as good of a job if I was really focused on it. So it's like I gotta pick. I gotta pick something here. I either gotta just keep my corporate salary and my benefits, or I gotta try this other route. But what I do know is, in 1999, after that show, I missed an opportunity, and I felt like this is my second chance. All right, so now I've got a second chance. My name's out there. I think I've got a little bit of respect out there. So that um, was one of the factors. So I left the bank, and I, you know. It's kind of funny looking back because I really struggled with the decision. I thought about it for a long time. But, you know, looking back, it's kind of funny because I could could have just went back to work at the bank that didn't work out. But it was, you know, very dramatic in my head because I didn't want to give up that salary. Like, oh, my God, what if mm-hmm. nobody likes it? What if tomorrow somebody <laughs> says they hate me as a coach and nobody ever hires me again the rest of my life? You know, so so it, it was one of those decisions where it's like I got to do one or the other. And so I just thought I'll give this a shot. I went in and I put in a 30-day notice. If you work in the banking industry, uh, when you resign, it's pretty much guaranteed they're going to walk you out the door by the end of the day and get you out of the building. I worked all 30 days. Um, I remember my last day was on a Friday the 13th, actually. My birthday was on the 11th. I thought, oh, Wednesday, they'll let me go. It's my birthday. I worked all the way until Friday, 5 (laughs) o'clock. So it was good because it told me they trusted me, and those guys still call me every once in a while. Hey, can we get you to come back? I'm like, you're going to have to – times 10 my salary <laughs> right <laughs> um yep. watch so, that green car down 10x <laughs> oh it's 10x baby if you want to give yeah. it back so exactly. um but it so it worked out but it was um I, you know i was doing both and i just had to make a decision pick one road or the other so thank you i'm gonna piggyback off that real quick you are the only one in the industry that has paid for content that's worth a shit you know, and I've gone on different sites and that's not, that's not me dogging other ones, but you could tell you've really put forth effort into that. You oh, yeah. tell you've really built that. So with that being said, what kind of got, what, so as you missed the opportunity in 99, so here you are, you're coming back. This is your second chance. How long when you, from when you realized second chance to creating the paid for content website, was there like a time lapse and kind of what made you want to go towards paid for content? Because I'm assuming at the time that wasn't really done on the internet, correct? It was not. It was, I, so I'm a very strategic guy. 
um, like in the bodybuilding world, when I did nationals, it was to make first call out. So that when I did Team Universe the following year, they'd go, oh, man, that guy made first call at nationals. He's, he's definitely good enough to win the show, and that's exactly what I did. With um, the bodybuilding thing, I had, a, I had a very clear strategy in my mind. I wanted a couple different revenue streams. Um, one of those, nobody was doing paid content for bodybuilding. And I was at the point where I was starting to do more seminars. So I thought if I could just get some seminar footage, that would be good. But I knew I wanted to provide a little bit extra information. And so I started that. It's actually, I actually started that, I want to say 2011. Um, and then I started uh, writing down all the workouts I did. And that's the genesis of my original programs. Like the first probably 19 programs I wrote, I did every one of them. Like, I, and I, and I don't, I, I'm very clear about that. I tell people, this is what I did. Give it a shot. You know, I'll give you an example. Jason used to do some of them. And I remember Jason sending me a message going, I love those pec minor dips. I was like, yeah, those are awesome. Those are really cool. So, um, the, like the programs evolved over the years, but that became a pretty good, uh, source of revenue. But you know, my buddy, Dave Tate, he's a mentor of mine. He always told me like, make sure that you're not dependent on any one source of revenue. And, and I was, and I'd started the right for T Nation, if you, if you yep. remember as well. Yep. I, yep. I was doing all these different things, and it was very time-consuming. And then um, my wife made us have kids. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, one, here's mine right now. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Here. Go ahead. When you did that, what was the cost to stand it up and what are the costs now to keep it going monthly? If you don't mind just divesting some of that or ballpark figure or something, I guess what I'm trying to understand is how someone can, you know, because your, your website's really in depth. You know, I'm a member on there, so I cruise through it whenever I need on my continuing education day, need new items to research and read up on. And I've noticed because how much it's grown because I've been on there for a few years now. So I just kind of wanted to know if you would talk about that perspective. Cause yeah, man. Well, when I started it, everybody told me it was a bad idea. Um, everybody said, you'll probably get 30 members and that's it. That'll be your limit. And I remember the first year, I think that's what I ended the year with, 30 members. And probably 20 of them were people I begged to join it. Um, <laughs> and in the second year, it caught a little steam and I, I got like 100. And then the third year I started really cranking and putting a lot of stuff out there and going to seminars. And I'd put like highlights of seminars with Serrano and with all these different people. So it wasn't just me. It was, you know, now you got clips of Serrano and Scott Stevenson and all these other people in addition to me and it shot up to like a thousand and it just kept climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing. And, um, you know, there was a point where, you know, I know you're into the financial piece of this. It was, you know, cranking thirty, forty thousand dollars a month and wow. Wow. Um, it was it was really good. And then and then when it started really peaking, all those guys that were members on mine started started their own <laughs> a couple of years. <laughs> so all those guys were members on my site before. Um but um so yeah mine was like mine was meant to be a, a collection of different minds in addition to myself. I don't know if that was a good strategy or a bad strategy, but it's just what I did. And, you know, people go to these seminars and they pay, you know, anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars for the weekend. And mm -hmm. I love doing that, but not everybody can afford that. So I thought, well, at least people can see the seminar footage. They're not there, but, you know, they can pay thirty dollars or twenty dollars and they can go through it for, for a month. That's a pretty daggone deal. Good deal, if you ask me. Um, 
and we recently just launched a cell phone app as well where <clears throat> it's a little more expensive it's $30 a month and it's all the same member content but it gives people the ability to do Q&A with me directly so basically someone wow, can $30 cool. a month and ask me whatever they want and I answer every single question Jeez. I think that's a pretty good deal too um, and I think cell phones are like where everybody's headed now like I've noticed on my uh, member site it's kind of it's been kind of level the last couple of years so I think what we're seeing now um, is more content on cell phones. And so I'm trying to, I try to, if you haven't noticed, man, I try to really stick with the times. And I try to stay up on technology. My YouTube channel now is doing really, really well. That didn't happen by accident. That was five videos a week for over two and a half years straight. And that's what we're doing now. Um, I just did 11 videos out in um, <clears throat> Las Vegas. So, you know, in my mind, I'm always thinking, okay, I want to add different, different value, different, you know, value for different people. The YouTube audience is different than the Instagram audience and they're different than the member side audience. We're all a little different. If I talk to the, the member side, they will not be happy because they just want to know how many sets and how many reps they do <laughs> and, and vice versa. So, um, yeah. Now I know I want to wrap this up on the website part and then I know Jason's foaming to get into some questions. I can see him pacing, but, um, since you said you're a strategic mind, I know that also means you're a visionary, which is why you're able to see the things you saw and create what you've created. What do you hope to improve about that website in the next five years? Like, where does that vision go in these next five years? Like, if you're going to fix one thing, what would it be? Well, I have a vision right now. I'm having trouble getting the people to execute it. Um, I have a, uh, I, I've talked with a marketing company, and what we want to do is we want to redo the whole site in, in a comic book style. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so the, we found two awesome graphic artists who can do it, and they're just not, they won't commit to anything. They're just like, oh, I'll do a little bit here and there. I'm like, no, no, we're serious about this. <laughs> so, and that's what you find with a lot of these, and I found this with Granite Supplements too. We A lot of these artsy kind of people, they just kind of march to the beat of their own drum. They don't really, you, you give them a timeline. And see, Jason and I, from the corporate world, it's timelines. You tell me something's going to be done on X date and you have it, you either have it done or you say, I can't get it done, but here's the new date. Right. That's not necessarily how it works in this world. So I want to redo it so that it looks awesome and has that comic book theme because I think it kind of fits who I am, Jeff. And if you'll notice one of the things I've always done is I just go with what I feel is right. Even like people said, mountain dog training, that's stupid. Like people are going to search and just see pictures of mountain dogs. I said, you know what? I'm going to go with it and see what happens. Right. So, um, I just do things. I just follow my heart. When I follow my heart, it always works out. When I don't follow my heart, it tends to backfire on me. But I want the website to get. Um, I need to get more consistent with the comp with the content. And it's like it's it's hard. It's not physically hard, but mentally it's hard because of all the YouTube videos we're doing. It's just hard to have a lot of content everywhere. So um, I'm looking to get a little bit of help. Um, that perspective. Um, and then sometimes, man, it's just, you just get so busy. It's just hard to find time, but, uh, you know, and I put a, I have probably got probably over a hundred really detailed client plans that we've had from bodybuilders to figure girls, amateurs, professionals, where we do the, their exact diets laid out. And nobody was doing that before either. Um, People were always kind of scared. I don't want to. I don't want anybody to see what I'm doing with my clients. I don't care because it's different for every one of them. Um, exactly. So I want to continue to provide 
examples and detail for people to see like, Oh, this is what you would do. I think it's a great resource for coaches personally. Like if I was a coach, I would be going to certain parts of my website going, Oh, here's what he did with this person when they stalled. Here's what he did. Um, so anyway, that's the kind of, that's kind of where I'm headed with that one, Jeff. Yeah. And that makes sense because on your website, sometimes I've gone through and looked when you've changed things or added or, de or subtracted things like giving breaks and things like that. And I know Jason's been big on that too, but um, now when you just said, cause I know we're going to get asked this question, when you said you're looking for help up and coming people in the industry, you're looking for them to kind of help you with writing content for the website, things like that. Or are you just talking about other established coaches or just more help just from the team you already have built? Listen, I'm open to anything. Um, just because somebody's young and they don't have a lot of experience doesn't mean they have bad ideas. Well, there you go. You, know, you guys are listening. You're young, fire it off. You know, I say, I'll say this, you know, and Jason said earlier that people that work for him, they have to kind of earn it. I'm the same way. You, you show me, you can write some good stuff and then, Hey, we'll talk about something more permanent. Now, um, there's a girl, um, uh, Caroline Weil, you guys may know her. She's in that process right now. Really, really sharp young lady. She's doing some writing. Uh, she actually, she just started last month, but I, I, I love to give young people an opportunity and I've, and I've given some people opportunities, Jeff, and they've turned in crap. And I just said, this isn't going to, this isn't up to our standard. Um, but if someone's sharp and they have good ideas, man, I'm all for it. Like I, I'll be happy to look at their stuff. That's awesome to know. Jason, go ahead. And I know you got some questions. I do have some, and I was going to switch gears just cause you know, I have, new ethics with uh, Vance and, and my wife. And so I thought I would ask a few questions on the granite side for John and our listeners. So John, what's been the biggest mistake you think you've made at granite, but then also the biggest triumph or success? Well, the biggest mistake, if I answer that, you guys need, uh, hopefully you're ready for a three or four hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the biggest one that's pounding you right in the face as I ask the question. Poor hiring. I absolutely okay. hired the wrong people to start the company. Got it. 100% on me. Got yeah, it. I, I went, I wanted to hire people that were in the industry that were very experienced. And honestly, most of them were just entitled uh, mm. and they didn't have real good values. And I don't care if they hear this. Um, now we hire a little differently. We hire good people first and foremost, and that has helped turn the company around. Got it. Got it. That's one of the big pieces I did down at Iron House was I hired people who wanted to serve, who had a basis of under, who wanted to improve knowledge and who had a will to win, win for others. And those were my three pieces to basically, if you do these three, I could teach you how to be a coach. I could teach you how to be a trainer, but you have to have these three is what I surmised it down to. So that's awesome, honest advice. And then what would be like one of the biggest, you know, triumphs or successes? Well, I, um, so we had a really good first year. You know, we mm -hmm. did a million dollars in revenue our first year, which is, I think, pretty good for a new supplement. Company. I think so. Um, the second year, um, it was bad. Um, all the poor hiring decisions I made. Um, There's a lot of people I let stay with the company I should have fired. Again, that was on me. Mm -hmm. I, I just really, I just made a lot of bad decisions. And some of it was not making a decision when I should have. Got it. But eventually, um, we kind of cleaned house. We started over. And I had, um, and this is, I think this is really cool. Like this makes me happy actually. So I was to the point where it's kind of like, you know what, man, I don't need, I don't need this. I don't need the money. I don't need the hassle. My wife's mad at me because I'm always in a bad mood because <laughs> I'm losing so much money. 
you know, I probably lost $140,000 last year, my own cash, my own yeah. money. Yep. And, um, and I was about this close to just saying, I'm done. I've had enough. And I had a couple guys, uh, talk to me that had just sold their old business for $310 million and they were incredibly sharp and they were good guys, like mm -hmm. really good guys. And they, um, after having a lot of discussions with them, they decided they want to be a part of the company. And I'm, okay. I'm a, a real honest guy. So I just said, I, I don't know why you want to be part of the company where uh, it's a dumpster fire right now. And the, both of the guys said, you know, we've talked with a lot of supplement companies, but none of them have you. Mm -hmm. Like you are the reason why we want to be a part of this company. We can fix all the, your business problems. That's what we do, but we can't just go out and get another you. And that made me feel really good, man. Oh, I'm sure. And that made me feel really good. So I brought on a couple of business partners and I mean, just some numbers, you know, we used to run 70, $75,000 in our monthly expenses within two months. They had that down to $26,000 with no loss of revenue. Just, Really wow. Sharp what do they do really for that? Sharp guys. I mean, really sharp guys. Wow. And um, I mean, I could go on and on about good business decisions these guys make and how they evaluate everything. And it was cool for me because it took me kind of back to the chase days. Mm -hmm. And um, these guys, I mean, these guys are like high level CEO, big business CEO guys. And so I'm very fortunate. I have a couple awesome partners now that I'm very, 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 very proud of. They, you'll never, they're not even on, they don't even have an Instagram account. So you're mm. never even going to know who they are Yep. unless they want me to test say who they are, but they're just good business dudes with good hearts. And anytime there's an issue, the first thing they always say is what's the right thing to do. That's the first thing they say every time. What's the right thing to do as opposed to how much money we're going to lose. Or, sure. or, you yep. know, it's always treat people right, do the right thing. And I'll give you another example. So our business has gotten better. So now you know, Jason can tell you this too. When you can purchase, when you can put in bigger orders, you get, <laughs> yep. you get better pricing, right? Yep. yep. So, you know, we're in a position now where we're putting in much bigger orders. So our, our cost came weight, you know, came down. Yep. And the first thing these guys say, it's not all oh, cool. Now we got 7% more margin. It was, let's put that back into the product to make it even better. And, you know, if you look at all the, products out there it's i can tell you it's really frustrating from my perspective to see how poorly designed some of these products are and how popular they are it it like rips a little piece of my soul out see and underdosed big time yeah underdosed just poor products but they have 10 athletes and yep you know they're making music videos and you know it's uh, it's very frustrating that the young generation and what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to educate them and jason's doing the same thing we're trying to help people understand you know this is what a good product looks like you know so yep um but anyways we got a lot of really cool things going on with granite now we just put a po in for protein powder it's a phenomenal blend that i i know for a fact people are going to dig it we've got some other stuff coming out so um so we've i feel like we turned a corner to answer your question jason i think that Going from I'm done with this industry to having those guys come in and help and turn the company around has been, I feel really good about that. That's awesome. Good deal. You know, Jeff, uh, let me take one more question because I had this on there for John and it, it was a good segue talking about partners. So last week, John, 
um, <clears throat> we talked money, just us three guys. And we kind of opened up, you know, about what kind of money people can really make in the industry. And that's not where I'm going with this for you. But what I am going with, I gave my um, spiel on partners. And I said, you know, pick a partner who obviously has your vision, but who has a good amount of money in their pocket and doesn't need money back out of the company within the first three to five years. Cause me and my business partner, we haven't taken a dime. Like yep. we make money by selling it as a distributor on our sites. But as far as the company, we reinvest everything. We're at 12 SKUs now we put it back in. So what would be like your big things now? You could probably give even better advice because my partner's been good. What do you have to say about like picking partners for our listeners out there when they're doing it? Man, you got to be so careful. You got to do your due diligence. And again, that's where I messed up. That's where I messed up. And just to be forthcoming, Jason and I had actually talked about being partners. Yeah. But I already had these other two. It wasn't, right. I didn't want to be a partner with Jason. I just started. Home run. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was, um, you've got to really do your homework on somebody. Um, and, and you got to make sure they're in it for the right reasons. I put in all of our money, all of it. And mm -hmm. I gave the other partners, like they didn't put in any money. Oh gosh. And I gave them equity to, to do the job. Um, they yeah. agreed to in hopes that when we make money, then we all, you know, Yep. Yep. and, um, you know, I don't want to get into all the details. No, you don't have to. Didn't, yeah. uh, you, you, you really got to do your own look, look, People are going to promise you a lot right? They're going to promise you. They're going to say, oh, I'm a marketing this, or I do this, or I do this. And listen, here's, if I could go back in time, what I would do is I'd probably just take a little bit of money and I would say, well, I'm just going to pay you the first month or two months or whatever. And then if I see your value, I'll make you a partner. I think personally, Jason, yes. I was too quick to just give away equity. And I think that was a very poor decision on my part. Yeah, like make them earn a sweat equity type piece. Make them earn yeah. it, right? Yeah. Make them earn it. And like if they're as good as they say they are, they, you know, I I've never paid myself a dime either, Jason. Yeah. Um, in our company, um, yeah. I I would rather build the company up, yes. and then you know we're going in. We're we're about uh, two and three quarters. We're almost at three. We'll be at three years in like January, and um. You know, my vision was that fourth or fifth year is when we'll, and that's actually what we're tracking toward now. But right, people, oh man, you're killing how much money you're making a grand out, dude. I haven't paid myself a penny. Yep, my revenue comes from those other things that we talked about. Yep, yep. And I'm cool with that as long as the company's going in the right direction. That's what right. matters to me. One hundred percent. I'm with you. That's how. That's how we are too. I mean, it's we're looking to hit a million. Finally, we didn't go as quickly as you all. We're looking to hit a million this year in our third year, but. It's just one of those things where we believe in the reinvestment. And uh, I just really wanted your take on the partner thing because we were talking about that last week because I know people do make mistakes with that and it came up with the money situation. So, hey, guys, you can ask John another question. That was just a really good segue. That's why I took two in a row. I have a question, John. I'd like to kind of take it back to the whole website thing. So as all of us know, or our listeners know as well, fitness and social media is almost like ubiquitous, right? It's like all over social media. So, John, if social media like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all that were to go dark, people were to stop following or stop being engaged on these platforms, what sort of strategies would you take to make sure that your business businesses aren't hurt by that? Like, what would you do if there wasn't, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram? Hmm. 
I never well, that. Okay, so I'm doing one of those things right now, actually. So first of all, it's not going to die. It changes. It transitions. Do you guys remember how Facebook was originally? Yeah. What is yeah. it? It's, it's just now it's just a platform where people argue. That's all it is. <laughs> it's a political argument. It's all yeah. constant. Um, you know, when Instagram came out, I, um, <laughs> I remember Mark Dugdale. Mark was like, John, you got to get on Instagram. I was like, Mark, this is stupid. It's just a bunch of pictures. <laughs> I said the same and thing. I was like, okay. But then Instagram became a pretty good tool. Yeah. And then, um, there's TikTok. And then somebody was like, John, you got to really start putting work into your YouTube. And I was like, man, that's, I don't know. Uh, you know, and then I did. So now I, I feel like Instagram, I feel like is going to be Facebook. I feel like I can already see some of the activity going down on Instagram. And I feel like they're going to be like Facebook, same company, right? Where you have to pay. you got to always promote your stuff for people to see it. And I, you know, I took Gary V's advice. Did you guys see the, uh, I was, I did TikTok. TikTok one. Yeah. So I started a TikTok, and right now, honestly, it looks retarded. It looks stupid. Um, I'm on there too. But, I followed you. Of course. Yeah. You so, but, but so was Instagram at first. Instagram was like, man, this is just a bunch of dumb pictures. You can't talk. Facebook is awesome. You can talk, you know, now you put something up on Facebook and uh, you know, whatever, but I think you got to social media is not going anywhere. It's just going to change. Hmm. Um, okay. So there is never going to be a day because this, I mean, it's going to be more and more and more social media. And I think YouTube is going to continue to blow up. I think YouTube is going to blow up and dominate everything. That's why I'm putting so much into my YouTube because I feel like in two or three years, YouTube is going to be the, like, that's going to be your opportunity right there. Do you have an end goal with your YouTube? I absolutely have an end goal. I, I want to be at 300,000 uh, subscribers by the end of this year and a million okay. next year. And I'm pretty sure we'll make that happen, but it's not just subscribers. Like you've got to understand YouTube. You don't, it, YouTube, it's really tough to grow a following now. So a lot of entrepreneurs mm -hmm. will put a couple videos out and then they'll get really depressed because they only get a hundred views. You can't, you got to be willing to grind on YouTube now because what happens is if you put out some videos that are really good, if people stick to them and they don't click off of them, if their watch time, if your watch time is really high, YouTube starts to notice that and they go, Hey, you know what? This, this guy doesn't have many subscribers, but his watch time is really high. And guess what that means? It means they can put ads on your video. And guess what that means? It means YouTube can make money. So then YouTube will say, Hmm, well, I'm going to suggest this guy's videos. And you know how if you type in a search on the right-hand side, you'll see like six videos are suggested yep. or whatever. So then you got to have a good thumbnail. You got to have something that looks interesting so people click on it. And then when they click on it, you got to have good content. And the more people stay on it and the higher your watch time goes, the more it builds. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, this and then boom, it starts to take off. And when you hit about 300,000 from what I've seen with a couple of my friends, that's when it just hit, takes off like a rocket ship. Um, but you have to be patient. You've got to put out good content unless you've got some kind of gimmick. And I don't have anything cool enough to really be a gimmick. So, you know, what I would tell the young, the young folks, the young entrepreneurs is put out and you've got to be consistent. As soon as you break off your consistency, YouTube will stop suggesting your videos. Mm. That's why I'm so hell bent on doing five videos a week because 
anytime you do less, man, they, they start, so you can see your suggestions, it, it, your videos don't get suggested as much. So is the end goal then a passive income stream where they would contact you to run ads? Is that what the end goal is type thing? Well, what happens is you just monetize your videos and they put ads on there. Um, you know, and there's different kinds of ads. You want non-skippable ads are, are good, but you know, mine's, mine's, um, I don't mind sharing the numbers with you now. We've been working on them for two years. It's making about $6,000, $6,500 a month right now. Um, and I think at the end of next year, it should be twenty dollars to $25,000 a month. Um, and that's from ads, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. See, this is kind of new to me, so I'm really listening. Yeah, I've to never it. heard any of this before, so I'm yeah. like, yeah. John, when you first started the YouTube, like, was it just you, like, with your phone, or did you like hire a videographer? Because, like, oh, Jason could tell you some of these old videos. So the reason why I started YouTube was because in my training programs, I just wanted to show people what to do, and my goal was to make the video as short as possible for them to see it, so they'd stay on it. So it's literally like if you look at my my exercises from. 2011, 2000, you'll literally see a bunch of 10 second videos. And that's huh. the things I used to put in my program. So for, it was to support my training programs. It had nothing to do with making any money. It was just so people could see the exercise doing the training programs. That's what I have now. They're like horrible. I filmed them with my phone. I hired like, I had like two girls from the gym because people love watching, you know, young girls lifting so <laughs> i have them as my models doing the the uh, exercises well the, the phones now are so much better like yeah. there's no reason why you can't record the phone now um yeah. and there's some of these videos that i have on there we have a really good camera but sometimes we um depending on what gym we're at sometimes we might use a phone and it's really hard to even tell the difference i can tell but only because i i know a couple of the things that we're doing with the lens on the camera but Camera phones are so good now. You can do you can have awesome videos with your phone now. And I have another question on this, just because this is this is a fascinating end that I haven't really delved into much. Do they contact you once they start recognizing, or do you have to contact them and say, "Hey, look at my page. Check out my page," and you have to keep bugging them? Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they're not going to contact you at all. You got to watch your analytics. Okay. And you can look at um, all your analytics. You can see how your views are. You can see your watch time. You can see when they click off your video. Um, hmm. Listen, I'm going to get, so I'll, I'll give you a little easy way to get started. I can tell you what, I can tell you the number one thing people like on YouTube, it's arm training videos. <laughs> okay. So if you literally just do an awesome arm training video, yeah, it'll like, it's funny. I mean, I laugh about it. I have a, I have a video that you guys would go, yeah, that's a pretty good video. It's nothing special. It's got right. over a million views. It's called three tips for triceps. Got it. I think I've watched that one actually. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's over a million views now. Okay. Uh, wow. Um, so <laughs> you can get started just by doing an arm video, man. Yeah. So okay. I have a question, do you take uh, anyone on for mentorship? Cause I know all three of uh, us. You know what? Them. It's just so hard, Jeff. I used to, and it's like to be a mentor, you have to teach and it's just so hard, man. Like with my, like as soon as we hang up, I'll be getting my kids off to football practice. There's just mm -hmm. it's hard to give the time that I need to. Um, so I'm not doing that right now. Uh, I, I wish I could. I'm just not. What I do is I spend probably if you go through if go if you go to my YouTube videos, look at all the comments I'm comment. Like every single night, I'm spending about 45 minutes commenting, and it may just be oh, wow. May just be thank you, but I don't know anybody else on YouTube that's commenting on all like like all I'm doing. If you guys go out to my like, look at my last three videos. 
and look at all the comments I'm making. And at a minimum, I'm, I'm, I read everything. And I'll get somebody every once in a while tries to trick me. Hey, John, if you're reading this, say this. And I just kind of laugh and I reply. And I'm like, yep, I read it. Um, but I actually engage. Now, I keep my answers pretty short. Um, because like I, the goal isn't to give them a real big detailed answer. That's where the people are paying for information, right? That's where the cell phone and the members and things like that. Um, Instagram, I'm not quite as good. I do try to comment. I'm not quite as good, but on the YouTube one, like if you guys are looking to get into that, I really encourage that interaction because nobody else is doing it. Nobody else is doing it. And I remember people saying, well, you can do it now because you only have 30,000 people subscribers. Well, I'm getting 60 to 70,000 views every single day now. And I think by the end of the year, it'll probably be a hundred thousand views a day. And I'm able to, I'm able to do it. I'm able to do it in probably 45 minutes a night. But to me, that's a good investment of time because again, think about my business model. It's just, it's just having a base of people. Like if I launch a training program right now, there are 200 emails that are going to come through that I recognize because they've bought every training program I put out. And I, I, I feel like if you have a good business base and this is where you guys excel, you guys are good guys and you treat your people right. You're setting yourself up for success on the long term because you don't have to constantly recycle people. Mm -hmm. you a good base of people because you take care of them and then you can build on that. Yeah. I like that message. Um, you know, it's also like you look at your Instagram and you know, some people talk about, Oh, I got a hundred thousand. I got 200,000 followers. You know, you can monetize 11,000 that I have, you know, if your engagement is good, uh, much right. more than having a hundred thousand on your page when they're not engaged. So, you know, oh, yeah, look at like, um, look at like Holly Mitchell, like Holly. I remember when she started the grant and Holly had maybe 40,000, mm -hmm. but she did awesome because mm -hmm. she, she communicates, she coaches, she's, she's a real positive influence on, on women. Right. You know, and we had other people, God love them. They were really good people that with, you know, I think a couple of them were over 500,000 views or, or followers weren't even close to generating the kind of business that Holly does. Right. 100%. Um, so I, yeah, Jason's absolutely right. I mean, it's not like I could care less about how many people are following, following you. It's what kind of dynamic do you have with people? Do they trust you? And that's a good message just for people in general on social media. Like, don't be so self-absorbed with the number of people following you. Be self-absorbed with the relationships that you're developing. Because yeah. that's what's really going to matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, when you were talking about comment, and that's, that's what brought that into my, my thought process. Um, I did have one more that I wanted to ask you. So this is kind of a selfish question, but how did you go about getting your line into the various um, – online stores did they contact you did you have to reach out do you have someone did you hire someone immediately to do that <laughs> okay i'll give you some good stuff and some bad stuff here <laughs> oh, this sounds um, good. um when the whole prime nutrition thing happened yeah and you know that was an ugly situation mm -hmm. and i was told you know john if you put this information out i'm gonna sue you i'm this and that blah 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 I said, I don't care. I'm doing it anyway because this product has my name on it. This is wrong. I don't, I'm not going to mislead people. When that happened, there was a explosion in the industry. So when I decided to do my own line, I had a lot of stores contact me and go, we really appreciate what you did in the industry, okay. doing the right thing. So I honestly didn't even have to really even call people the first six months. Now I did. 
Right. I spent a lot of time on the phone with them because they would say, tell me what you got. So of course I'm really excited. Right. I was right. my, I was my own sales rep the first year. Yep. So in the mornings I'm talking to people on the East coast and evenings I'm talking to people on the West coast, but I, I'm going through and I'm spending an hour on every call. Here's why I put this ingredient in here. Here's why I put this ingredient in here. I like for these two to work, blah, 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 blah. So it really took off. And then what I did, Jason was I hired some salespeople that didn't share my same values. <laughs> and I noticed all of a sudden the people quit ordering from me. I was like, man, that's odd. Right. So I would call them. Hey man, we haven't talked in a while. I just, we hadn't heard from you. What's going on? Well, your sales rep called me a MF or he told oh, me God. I was a, I'm like, what? Wow. Right. Are you serious? Or, or I would hear, I remember there's some stores in Indiana. Yeah. We put in orders and we never even heard from you. Like we literally sent orders to your sales oh, rep. Gosh. We had a sales rep literally vanish. And to this day, I don't know if he's dead or not. Oh, God. <laughs> just vanished. And, and you know, here's one thing, Jason, that you got to be really careful of. Um, I was warned to be careful with Amazon and I thought yeah. I was being careful. If you get people that are selling your stuff on Amazon, and they start undercutting you, you can forget about the wholesale business. The stores won't want to deal with you. So I was, I was watching it. I was watching it. And then we hired a sales rep who started selling to three different people who sold on Amazon. I promised John, we'll keep the price integrity. Next thing I know, these guys are selling $2 over the wholesale price. So yep. all the stores are calling me. They're like, what's going on, John? You told me you weren't going to do this. Right. So I'm calling a sales rep. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? So it was a disaster. Got it. Yeah. And we lost a significant part of our wholesale business from this big Amazon debacle. Got it. So when the new guys came in last December, you know, we were talking about issues and I said, this is a massive issue. So we, we don't sell, we don't let anybody sell on Amazon now, just us. And that's I how we do it. Yeah. Yep. I don't care who it is because I've already had so many people promise me at the end of the day, man, when people go to Amazon, just put it on there yourself. Don't yep. let anybody else even sell on Amazon for you. That's how we're doing it. That's yeah. the way to do it, you know. We, and now we, the stores have come back, you know. Yeah. They've come back. They said, now we know that you got price control in place. You know, I had a guy, uh, one guy tell me who runs the, probably the most successful chain on the East Coast. He said, I do price matching. So anytime someone would come in the store, they'd pull a price up on Amazon. John, I had to match the price, which meant instead of making, you know, 45% margin, I made a 3% margin. So there's no sense of me even carrying your products. So I had yeah. to stay in touch with him. Like, look, we've done it, man. We, we, we fought back. And, and luckily the stores, they knew me and they, they were like, okay, we can see that you really worked hard to fix this. So now they're all coming back on board. So now, it's it. cool, but, but I, there's, there's a lesson for you, man. So yeah, um, yeah we, we were told um, to get ahead of it and that's why I got the trademark filed. Um, and then we hired a partner to basically like work in tandem with this. Um, to basically build the brand on Amazon and then they police it too. You know, they have a law firm. They have, if anyone puts it on there, they'll get a cease and desist immediately. So I think we're taking the right steps doing it. Um, we put our product up on Amazon ourselves. My wife's pretty savvy and just got it done and we didn't even push it and we were already generating 10 K uh, yeah, a month. It's and, our number one sales channel too. Right. So I'm like, all right, time to hire a partner. So that's the direction we're going with it. But for other people out there just listening, things like that. Yeah. It's a big thing. You want to, you've got to control your prices on, on that, on that site. Yeah. 100% man. It's a disaster if you don't. Yep. Jeff, you got one more question. I got, I got a little two part question here. One, one is um, relevant to what we're, we're talking about. One is a burning question that I've had for a while that 
might serve as some entertainment for our listeners. So the first question is, how do you stay relevant in an industry where the barrier to entry is so low? Is, is like any sort of news like good for exposure? Like, for example, like I think it was like Jeremy Buendia, like the stuff that he's done recently, but he's still relevant. His name is still kind of on social media or recent comments about, um, you know, Breon's, you know, second place finish at the Olympia. Um, and then my, so that's my first question. The second question is, how do you manage your nutrition? How do, how do IFBB pros in general manage their nutrition when traveling internationally with all their engagements overseas? Like, you know, cause I, I remember meeting you at the, uh, physique summit several years ago. And the first thing I said to you was, why are you eating that protein bar? You're like 10 weeks out. And then I saw you eating pancakes the next day with sausage and eggs at the hotel. And I was like, how is this guy so shredded eating this kind of food? So can you enlighten me and the listeners? Those are all lies. I was eating chicken <laughs> fries. <laughs> um, so staying relevant. Um, it, it's, it's, so here's what you have to understand in our industry. There's a constant influx of new people coming in. That's how people can get away with doing very bad things and, and stay relevant. Because there's a bunch of new people that come in and they just don't know any better. I mean, there's a certain supplement company that their owners have done very bad things. They're still doing very well. There's um, manufacturers, the one that messed up prime nutrition. Hmm. Uh, that owner is a government informant. Uh, his partner is in prison. Hmm. And they're, they're, um, this health supplements that you guys are seeing advertised, they're making it for you. So this manufacturer that was making terrible stuff, not putting ingredients are now making the health supplements and I'll let you guys figure out who it is. Yeah. I don't know who it is. <laughs> so, um, you know, coming from someone who likes to blast people and then throw all these health supplements cause they're so health conscious. Right. So, so you got to understand that. So you, so you can't in your mind, you can't be defeated. You can't say, well, you know, you know, Shanique or Brandon Hendrickson or all these people are doing all this stuff. No, you, you, you just got to focus on yourself. Just focus on yourself and focus on the relationships that you're building every single day. And what you're putting in your mind constantly is going to impact who you are. When I go through my Facebook and Instagram, if I see negative stuff, I unfollow as quick as I can because I don't want that coming into my head all day. That's why I'm not on Facebook much anymore. I post like once a week and it's usually just something goofy yeah. because it's so negative and I keep trying to unfollow people, but I keep getting a barrage by all this stuff. So pretty much <laughs> the channels now I follow are dog channels and animal channels. <laughs> um, I mean, I follow like the Dodo. Every single video that comes up my feed is the Dodo channel, which I love. It's all animals. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just got to focus on yourself. Don't get wrapped up in the other people. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Because at the end of the day, what they're doing has zero impact on you anyway. So just focus on yourself. Don't worry about that stuff. And uh, your second question about eating, you know, I, so I always tried to make contacts with companies who were food service companies, meal prep companies. So for example, when I go to Australia, there's a meal prep company there that helps me. Mm. Whenever I was traveling, uh, Ken Jackson's company, um, I don't know if you guys know Ken real well. I, I do. I mean, I don't know Ken that well, but I know his company and I've, he's I've got a really, he's got a really good company. So, yeah. um, like I would say I would have Ken send food to the hotel. So I would always have that. 
So I'm eating like nine out of 10 of my meals are good, but Jeff sees me eating the one meal that's pancakes. <laughs> and it's like, look at Meadows. Oh my God, I'll eat his pancakes. He <laughs> was the other meals was ahi tuna and rice, you know? Um, okay. <laughs> so this is the beauty of having these meal prep companies. In the 80s and 90s, we didn't have that. You had to freeze food and take it with you. And um, you had to do the Evan Sintapani. He's the master at that. But, it, you know, now you got all these meal prep companies. No matter where you go, there's meal prep companies. I mean, you go, like, you go out to like the Olympia. I mean, there's like 10 different meal prep companies. Like, oh, I'll send you stuff. I'll send you stuff. I'll send you stuff. Like, you know, so um, anyways, so there's a lot of ways to do that. Do you find most of them are accurate, though, in terms of, like, their macros and all that kind of stuff? I don't know. I mean, I don't really know how to measure. I mean, I guess I could take a scale and measure stuff, but I'm not that anal retentive about it. Um, If I was really close to a show, I would be anal retentive. Okay. And I would pay close attention to it. But if I'm not in a show, I don't – personally, I don't really care if it's six or four ounces of chicken or if it's 350 grams of something, 325. I'm not that I'm just not the guy that's going to watch it that close. That's just not me because I feel like the stress that that brings on is like makes it <laughs> and turns it into a bad thing. Now, pre-contest is a different story. I'm very precise. But okay. I'm riding for a show, man. I have uh, no, I mean, I don't want to say no precision, but I don't sweat it. Yeah. Got it. I think that answer will help a lot of people shed a lot of light on, on the nutrition part. Thank you. Yep. You know, I want to say something to wrap this up. Um, not many people know this, but you know, I snuck away a few years ago and went up there and trained with you, John, and we were sitting at that, um, grass fed, uh, place right there in in Ohio and it was flip side. Right. And we were talking and, you know, I just bought into iron house and I was really trying to kind of find my way and what I wanted to do. And you gave me the most solid advice and you just said, Jeff, it just has to boil down what you can look in the mirror and cope with looking back at you. And, you know, that always stuck with me. And I know what you've gone through with Prime and I know where you went. I've always watched you keep your side of the street clean. So from a person who looks at you as someone, as a role model, thank you for leading a different side of the industry that often gets buried with the bad stuff. Um, You know, and most people see that. So thank you for, you know, always kind of, uh, for always sharing you know, the honesty that you are and, you know, being transparent, which shows the character that you have, which we all should strive to achieve. And I really appreciate you taking the time today. And then I know you helped me with all my OI projects I do. And I really appreciate that as well. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Look, um, at the end of the day, I love the industry. I mean, look at how long I've been in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it. And that's why you get a guy like me that takes things a little more personal when you see bad stuff happening. It's, be, it's because I love the industry. I want it to do well. That's why I want to see people do well, you know? So, um, but I, I appreciate that, man. I, I, I um, as corny as it sounds, the number one important thing to me is, is leaving an awesome legacy for my family and, and in the industry. And, I want people to tell my kids someday, man, your dad really helped a lot of people. He really was a positive role model. And, you know, those are the things that matter to me now. It's not, well, I'd like to get third place at this show. Like, you know, I, that time is over. I'm really, I'm really trying to leave something that, that my kids can be proud of. I never had that. I never had a mom or dad. Right. So mm-hmm. I just hope someday that people can talk about me, you know, the way they talk about like a Jay Cutler, who's a great ambassador for the industry. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm shooting for. I think people already do, John. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, for sure. 
do you have any parting advice to anyone who might be, um, you know, one of the things that we decided to do when we created this podcast, uh, when I approached the guys about the idea of doing it was to really change the tide for the younger coaches to start giving them a chance to learn the true insides of it. You know, not just, oh, you take these cycles and put this with this diet and go do three hours of cardio and you'll show up that there's actual other ways you can monetize this, make money, make a living for yourself, really help impact others. And if you were to start all over, um, would you have done it the same way or what kind of advice would you impart on someone right now if they were just wanting to just jump and leave and do it? Well, you know, my thing is I got the, I got the slow and hard approach, right? It's not, it's not glorious. It's just grinding day in and day out, building relationships, treating people right. Like there's no magic funnel I have on my website or no, uh, you know, retargeting pixel on my Facebook. I mean, I don't, I, I barely even understand what that stuff is. It's just a bunch of big words to me. Um, so I think if you put the stuff at the top of your priorities, which is relationships and treating people right, that's going to build your foundation. And then, Hey man, if you can get good at the marketing stuff and all that, then that's awesome. Then you can put that on top of uh, the fundamentals, but you got to have the fundamentals. You know, I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen, you know, there's certain types of diets, for example, that just blew up. And now, man, you don't hear from them again. Like those people are gone. And it's cause it was just kind of, um, you know, it was, it was just this, uh, I don't know what the word gimmick kind of diet or whatever. Um, so just lay your foundation, right. Treat people, right. Um, keep an open mind. You'll never, ever, ever hear me say, Oh, I think I know everything or this and this. And when, even when I go do seminars, the first thing I tell people is all I'm doing is sharing my experience with you. Take it or leave it. Uh, this isn't me telling you that I know everything far from it, far from it. It's just, um, I've got a lot of experience, so I'm just sharing it with you. That's all. So if you can stay grounded and keep working hard and, you know, at the end of the day, I think with every business as an entrepreneur, there's a period where you have to work really hard, like excessively hard. And I think that's just part of it. And then hopefully you get a little smarter and you can manage your time and get a little better as you go. But there is going to be a period of time, man, where you got to put your head down and you got to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. There's no way around it. And then get smarter, get better with your business, you know, get that balance back in your life. Um, that, that's kind of my, my view on it. That's awesome. Well, you guys got anything else to wrap up with? I think that that's a no. I think that's oh. how we leave it. That's good. All right, John, man, thank you so much. I know you got your kids' football game. Thank you for joining us. We Thanks. really hey, my pleasure, you, guys. I, I appreciate each and every one of you guys and what you're doing in the industry. Thank Thanks, you, John. Thank, thank you, you, John. I'll see you soon, buddy. You betcha. You betcha. Hey, Jeff and Jason, stay on for a minute. Yes, yeah, sure okay. thing. Take care, John. You too. I'm trying to, how do I close this? Click on Lee's meeting. I think you just clicked there. Yeah, you just yeah, clicked yeah. the big X, I guess. He's like, I don't want to look at you guys anymore. <laughs> What's up, dude? Dude, I think that was awesome hearing you. I think that was amazing. I mean, that was, some, that was some stuff. I'm sitting there like taking notes on the YouTube. Yeah, yeah me too. You know, my other question for him was going to be what he thought about my, my uh, novice win in, in uh, Connecticut. <laughs> he he wouldn't even have known. known. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, I just wanted to go ahead real quick and get you guys, since we all see each other starting Thursday. So yeah. Not yeah. Next day. 
Um, we are going to do our open lift Friday night about okay. five o'clock is what we decided. Okay. Okay. Um, that way kind of people could come in. Cause I know everyone, a lot of people are saying they're traveling in on Friday. Yep. So we figure we post up about five and then kind of kick the work off workout out about five thirty or so. Okay. Going. Uh, so if anyone at iron house or anyone anywhere around who's hearing this, who wants to make it to iron house in Nashville, you're free to come train out, train with us. If you're coming to the physique education collective the next day on Saturday, yeah, come join us, work out with us. We'll probably go grab some food somewhere after there's a Canova right down the street, which wouldn't be too bad. No. Um, you guys, what are we going to do during the day on Friday then? The workouts at five. Well, probably setting up. So, you know, I mean, I might need a little help here. I, I didn't know that I was dealing with a top uh, celebrity trainer coming in. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, busting I, I was going to get a massage and get, maybe get my hair done again, you know? Dude, I'm just going to buy you like a little chauffeur. I would do it because I'm short and shit, but I just feel like <laughs> it's my hotel. Yeah. No, me and Jason are going to pull in on two wheels probably Friday and pick you up and be like, get in the car. We're going somewhere. Hey, so what is Friday night's workout? Uh, legs. 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 So we'll yeah. do some BFR. What's Thursday? Uh, Thursday with, would be shoulders and arms with you, daddy. Okay. And then on Saturday, we'll hit like back. All right, well, I got to hit chest. Stuff. I'll hit chest. I'll, I'll do chest on uh, Saturday and then back on Sunday. But, cause, but you guys, are, Jason, you're leaving Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll All just right. hit back with the group. So whoever wants to hit whatever. Because I'm sure Vince is going to want to do something. Saturday, I might, I might go a little rogue because I want to make sure I hit chest again. And yeah, well, there. I got some cool machines, and you can do all those bands and stuff that we did. I got the BFR bands. I'm going to bring in those. Yeah. Good well, deal. Bands so we can do reverse incline bench and stuff like that because Jason likes right. doing that. All right. Well, I better rock out. I got uh, two boys soccer games tonight. I'm seeing cool. half of Maddox's and then running over to Aiden's high school. I'll see I got to get some selfies. So I right. will see y'all next week. Take care. All right. See you. All right. Night, guys. Well, there you guys have it. Uh, what I feel was an awesome episode with John Meadows. I want to, again, thank him for taking the time to talk to the three of us. Um, I know personally as a businessman, I try to role model as much as I can about John um, because success leaves clues. I also want to touch that this Saturday we do have the Physique Education Collective at Iron House. It is just 150 bucks to hear five awesome speakers. Vince Pitstick is doing estrogen dominance. Jason Theobald, insulin sensitivity, aka why you're getting fat and inflamed. Um, Jeffrey Sue's doing carbohydrates and how awesome they are and the many strategies to employ uh, using carbohydrates. Austin Stout is going over lab work, specifically detailed lab work about thyroid, which I know is crucial for every man and woman out there to understand their thyroid pro um, thyroid blood work. And I'm going over gut health and I'm hoping it will be a good product that I give to everyone. It's one of those things where I'm not an expert and I like John talks about, but I'm looking forward to sharing some of my knowledge and hopefully it helps some people out, whether it be coaches or just average shows and Jans who are there. Uh, we look forward to seeing everyone and look forward to next week's episode where we have John Gorman uh, joining us to discuss. In the meantime, like us on iTunes podcast, share us, help us get our word out about what we feel is some awesome things that we are doing with this podcast until next week. You all have yourself a great week.